Thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you give to us. Bless us with the light of your word as we study it today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You see two lights burning in the Advent wreath uh, now. The, uh, the candle of hope, which was lit last week and it's lower. I can tell that you did burn it last week. We uh, burnt one at the church we attended last week as well. And in the, the newly lit one, this second candle symbolizing peace. Uh, peace is an important thing for us, especially in 2020, in the world that we are living in right now. A lot of people don't have peace because they've been denied the opportunity to work. A lot of people don't have peace because they've been denied the opportunity to enjoy fellowship, uh, needed fellowship with family and friends. Uh, there's a lot, of a lot of disturbed people in our nation and in our world right now. Uh, there's a, a loss of peace because of the loss of loved ones in our world. And I'll bet everyone in this room knows someone in our community who has perished uh, in large part, uh, perhaps because of a comorbidity, but in part because of uh, the coronavirus this year. We are living in a world that needs peace. I'm glad that second candle was lit this morning because it does remind us that God does give us peace. There is a kind of peace that the world cannot give us, so scripture says, and it's the truth. There is a peace that can only come from God. Beginning in the Old Testament, one of the great themes of the Bible is that God is the giver of peace. And uh, we see this, the, the first, uh, the, the Hebrew word for peace is a word you know already, the word shalom. The very first use of that term shalom is found in the Torah, in the first book of the Bible, actually. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible. And uh, it's a word that God spoke to the, uh, Abraham, the founder of the nation of Israel. And God said that he was going to give peace or shalom to uh, Abraham so that he would die in peace. He would rest in peace. And uh, God fulfilled that promise of peace uh, in Abraham's life. Abraham had had difficulties up to that point. He actually had to fight a war at one point to rescue a family member a lot. But uh, God protected him. And throughout Abraham's later days from Genesis 15 onward, all recorded events in his life were those of peace. And he uh, found a resting place of peace in God when he died. God gave uh, that first use of shalom to one of the great men of the Old Testament. But he didn't limit it to just Abraham and a select few individuals. Throughout the pages of the Torah, again, that centerpiece of Old Testament thought, the most, the most sacred part in a Jewish tradition of, of their sacred scriptures, kind of the Holy of Holies, there within the middle book of the five books of the uh, Torah, the book of Leviticus, we find in the 26th chapter a wonderful promise of God. I'll start with uh, reading some of these things to us. <clears throat> Genesis tw or Leviticus 26 provides a number of blessings 
that God promises to his people when they obey him. Not surprisingly, one of those blessings is the blessing of peace. As he says in Leviticus 26, verse 6, is the Lord speaking, I will give peace to the land, and you will lie down with nothing to frighten you. I will remove dangerous animals from the land, and no sword will pass through your land. The promise of peace from God because of obedience to him. You may recall that uh, in the Torah also, pursuing this theme of peace, God established priests. And the first priest, in, uh, as recorded in Scripture, the first priest in the covenant tradition of Israel was Aaron. In the book of Numbers, the fourth book of the Torah, in chapter 6, there is one of the most famous passages in all that, maybe arguably the most famous passage in the book of Numbers. It's the Aaronic blessing. It's a blessing that priests were to give to the people of God. That blessing includes the blessing of divine peace among uh, the people of God's covenant. I'll read it to you. And I'll be reading from the New Living, I mean, sorry, from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, one of the versions I had the privilege of helping to translate. Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26 says this, May Yahweh bless you and protect you. May Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May Yahweh look with favor on you and give you shalom, give you peace. The final word in the priestly blessing to be given to all God's people was the word peace. God wants to give us a peace that endures, a peace that, that lasts, a peace that we can count on and that will sustain us even in 2020, the year of COVID and so many other things that are memorable but not so happy. Psalm 29 uh, takes us into the songbook of ancient Israel. Uh, every week in Jewish worship services, they were required to have a reading from the Torah. But they would also have a, a hymn, a song that was sung from their great songbook that we know as the Book of Psalms. One of those psalms, Psalm 29, continues into the music of Israel, into the worship literature of Israel, this theme of peace. We see as the concluding verse in that psalm, Psalm 29, verse 11, final verse of that psalm, this word. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses his people with peace. There's that concluding word right there, the final word, the, the concluding word that God leaves with us is the word peace. The Lord promised it in the Torah, that centerpiece of uh, sacred scripture in the Old Testament. He proclaims it in the Psalms of Israel. We read together today from the prophets that promise that uh, God 
would not just give us peace uh, through his power, his invisible presence, but that there would come a day when God himself would come, when he would come as the prince of peace. The prophet Isaiah proclaimed that in Isaiah chapter 9, and we read that together today. We light this candle and we celebrate the light of, of the Lord at this season of the year uh, because we celebrate the, the Prince of Peace's birth and arrival on our planet. God's peace has come to our world because the Prince of Peace arrived in the form of a baby this time of year. And it's something worth celebrating every year, but may I suggest to you that in our hearts we need to celebrate that arrival of the Prince of Peace every day because we need the peace that only he can give. And he reminds us that he came not just as the Prince of Peace, but as one who actually delivered this in the, in the pages of the New Testament. Uh, John chapter 14 is one of the great chapters of the Bible. If you have a red letter version of the Bible, as my version is right here, my edition of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, you will see that there's a lot of red. There's a lot of words from the lips of Jesus in John chapter 14. But John 14, 27, the Prince of Peace does state these words to us. Peace I live, leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. And it need not be troubled or fearful because the Prince of Peace gives us that peace. He gives us that peace in an abiding presence within our lives. One of the, uh, in, the in the lectionary for today... Uh, in the list of scriptures that are used around the world in worship services in this second Sunday of Advent, we uh, find a fascinating emphasis that uh, will take us into the second part of our, our lesson for today from scripture. Not only do we see that God is the, the source of all peace and the giver of peace uh, through the blessing of uh, that are found in the Torah and in the music of uh, the ancient Jewish tradition. Not only do we celebrate the peace that Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, uh, proclaimed to us in the pages of the New Testament in John chapter 14, but the lectionary suggests to us that uh, there is more to the peace of God than just the fact that God gives us th that peace. There's also the necessity of God's people sharing that peace with the people around us. Those of us who have received the peace of God must also share the peace of the Lord with those in need of peace around us. And uh, we, we see this also as a theme uh, that is, runs on a parallel track to the fact that God is the giver of peace. We have God as the source of peace, but then we have God's people as the ones who are to share the peace of God with others. How do we do that? 
Well, one of the ways we do that, uh, as we see in the pages of Scripture, is to speak a word of peace. Remember that ironic blessing that we read in Numbers chapter 6. That was a promise of the peace of God, but it was spoken by God's representatives on earth to the people around them. Priests were to be known as those who give blessings. Uh, and throughout history, one of the great roles of uh, leaders of God's congregations is to speak words of blessing to the people of God. And that final word in the blessing is to be a word of peace. All of us are uh, ministers. So you're, uh, I noticed in your bulletin, you have uh, Reverend Nathan Markley as your pastor, Elder Ralph Harm as the liturgist, Rebecca McElroy as the pianist, and all members as the ministers. All of you can do the work of the Lord and are to do the work of the Lord as ministers throughout the week. You can be proclaimers of the blessing of God, the blessing of peace to those around you. It needs to be done in part with your lips, with your words that you speak. Uh, one of the passages that, we're, uh, that is found in the lectionary for the second week of Advent is Isaiah chapter 40. In fact, this is actually the first of the passages for today. And it focuses on this second part, this second track of peace, the role that we play as God's ministers, each of us, uh, to proclaim God's word, his word of peace and help and hope uh, in this world that so desperately needs that hope and peace that we celebrate in the first two weeks of Advent. I'll read to you the first five verses, which is the first part of the focus for today in the scriptures. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labor is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I will say that the historical setting of this psalm suggests that the prophet Isaiah foresaw the day when God would bring horrific judgment on the city of Jerusalem and on all of the nation of Judah. It would be destroyed mercilessly by the Babylonians and their most beautiful buildings would be turned to ash and the people who lived in them would be slain by the swords of the Babylonians or if they survived, carried into captivity far away from the promised land. Isaiah foresaw a day of terrible judgment brought upon Israel because of their disobedience to God. We're living in a world that has not been judged in the same way that the Babylonians brought inflicted judgment on the nation of Judah, but we are living in a world that's very troubled right now, a world that needs comfort. They're looking for comfort from the government in the form of another stimulus check, uh, they're looking for comfort with a vaccine that hopefully will provide them relief from COVID. Perhaps you read in the, um, some of the news releases on the internet or, per or perhaps in a newspaper that uh, 
initial results suggest that uh, the vaccine that they're wanting, that Moderna has put out, is good for three months and hopefully longer. But at least it's good for three months. If it's only good for three months, that means that we'll be getting eight shots a year for the rest of our lives and have to take two home days <laughs> away from work because of the pain inflicted by the vaccine. Um, that's comfort, but it's not a lot of comfort, okay? Uh, I'm hoping that there will be a vaccine that'll be a once and, once and done forever type. Uh, but uh, whatever comes up, I will tell you that people are looking for comfort in our world. And Christians have a form of comfort that goes beyond a stimulus check or a COVID vaccine. Uh, we have a hope, we have a comfort that begins in the soul of an individual. It's a soul kind of comfort that is deeper than the kind of comfort that any government or hospital can dispense. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. There are a lot of hurting people out there, and if you've worked with hurting people before, sometimes you can touch them and they'll react. You need to be very tender when you touch hurting people. You need to be very careful. We as Christians need to speak a word of comfort and peace to the people around us. It needs to be done with great skill. It needs to be done tenderly and gently. But it is a word that uh, if you're going to heal a broken soul, if you're going to help a person who is hurting, uh, we'll leave a lot of those hurts uh, and, and and the ministrations to them, to the medical community. Most Christians are not trained like some of the people in this room are in the medical arts. We, we need, but we can speak words of encouragement to the soul. We can speak words of encouragement and help to those who need peace in their, in their hearts, in their souls. And one of the greatest needs, you could argue that the greatest need that all people have is the forgiveness of sins because we have all offended God. We can bring peace to others by bringing them into the presence of the one who gives that eternal pardon for sins. Isaiah 40 reminds us that part of our message needs to be that the sinner's iniquity has been pardoned, that she has received, the uh, that the sinners have received judgment from God, but they've also received the pardon of God. It's not a pardon that we uh, can purchase for sinners around us, for people who need peace. It's a pardon that has been paid for by the blood of Christ. Our message is not about how great the church is. Our message is not about how wonderful its people are. The message of comfort that we must give in our hurting world today is that of our Savior. We may not be people who can do great things, but we're in touch with, we're in relationship with the one who can heal all wounds and who can forgive all sins. Jesus Christ, the risen one, needs to be what uh, the message of hope and peace that is on our lips. That because of Jesus, iniquity has been pardoned and we are forgiven. The New Testament writers picked up on this passage that we're looking at in Isaiah chapter 40, 
uh, and saw the fulfillment of another prophecy, a prophecy that extended beyond uh, the days of Isaiah, a prophecy that extended hundreds of years into the future to the time of John the Baptist. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, reminds us that people throughout history have been speaking a word of comfort and hope to people who desperately needed it. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, we continue our reading from the focal passage for today. A voice of one crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Those are words that were spoken uh, about and fulfilled by John the Baptist. Before Jesus came in his public ministry, Jesus' cousin, uh, the son of Elizabeth and Zechariah, we mentioned Zechariah earlier today, uh, spoke these words, uh, had these words spoken about him. He was to be the one who would prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. You may recall that John the Baptist uh, was an oddball. Uh, I'm an odd person, I'll be honest with you, I just am. Uh, ask my wife, with whom I've been uh, married for almost 41 years, 41 years this month. Uh, but John was weirder than I was, and that's saying something. Uh, he uh, wore camel hair clothes, and um, by the way, I understand that camel hair is pretty soft. Uh, John Stewart used to teach at Hannibal Grange, and he had a weaving, had a weaving shop uh, down in the historic district while he lived here. And he knew camel hair, and he said it's very soft. But it's still weird to wear camel hair clothes, okay? And he did that. And he ate locusts and honey. Uh, that's also not the kind of diet. Most of us don't like to eat bugs uh, any more than necessary that are ground up in our flour. And there's always a little bit of that in there. And if you like peanut butter, there's a little bit in that too. But to eat that as the main part of our diet is weird. Uh, but not for John. John was, John was odd. Uh, but John did do something spectacular in his day. He prepared the way of the Lord. He proclaimed uh, the message that prepared his people, his, his little corner of civilization, for the coming of Jesus the Messiah. He made a straight highway for, uh, for God, God the Son, who is also fully human. Uh, Jesus in the desert. Every way will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. These words refer to John's ministry of proclaiming the coming of the Prince of Peace the proclaiming, the proclamation of the coming of Jesus. The second part of our lesson, actually from the lectionary for the second week of Advent, takes us into the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, the opening book of the New Testament. It takes us into the public ministry of Jesus. And it reminds us again that while, G while Jesus, while God is the giver of peace, and is to be the focus of our message of peace, it is up to us as those who follow God 
to be the ones who share that uh, peace with others. And so uh, we see in, uh, get my notes here for just a moment. I'm not a New Testament person, you've got to understand that. <laughs> so uh, I, I know there's a New Testament in the Bible somewhere. I'm an Old Testament professor. And thank the Lord there is a New Testament. Uh, but we do see this in terms of our responsibility to be bearers of that peace. Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 35, it says this. Then Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were weary and worn out, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, and this is the key part of it right here, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. The theme then picks up, uh, the, the passage continues, the focal passage for this week, with uh, chapter 10, the opening verse there. Summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. Then it continues uh, in uh, 5a and following. Jesus then sent out these 12, the 12 apostles, which are actually listed for us in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus sent out these 12 after giving them instructions. And he sent them out, as it turns out, to give the message of peace, to give the message of salvation to his people to give the message that our world needs today, some 2,000 years after Jesus called those original 12 apostles to go out and do what they did as well. We celebrate the Christmas season because the Prince of Peace has come. But as we celebrate him, we also take upon ourselves the responsibility to be ones who also share that word of comfort with our world around us. As we go into our world, leaving the confines of this historic building here, let's remember to take with us that word of hope and peace uh, to a world that needs the peace that only God can give, the peace that was provided for us through the coming of Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection, a forgiveness that heals the heart in a way that no gift from government or the medical community can help. But it is a healing that will come from God and many times can come only because you share the good news of Jesus with someone who desperately needs it. May God bless uh, his word.